morning, PPC. I didn't say church, I said PPC. Because PPC joins the church this morning because it is World Communion Sunday. So we're a little missional outpost, and yet together with all the other churches around the world in different nations, time zones, ethnicities, places, both safe and dangerous, that is the church of God in Jesus Christ, bound together and sent out by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Kind of cool. Surpassing Jesus, the gift that embraces the whole world. A familiar passage, to be sure. Have you ever had a, why didn't I think of that sooner moment? You ever had one of those? You know, TV commercial popularized it once by, I could have had a V8. One of those things. I had a, why didn't I think of this sooner moment last week? When I went in to teach the third of three days, and when I went in to teach originally, I just accepted the setup of the room for the way it was, and didn't think anything more of it until the third day I walked in and the setup, there was not enough room for me to sit facing the class with my technology on the same tiny portion of the table. So I ended up sitting over here, and my back was to a couple of folks off here. The third day I go in, and I realize as I walk in, all I got to do is turn the table. All I got to do is turn a perpendicular table to be parallel with the other tables. Duh. Why didn't I think of that sooner? Kevin, you'd have thought of that right away. Unfortunately, I did not do that. Sometimes you just need to move the table. Today's text is like that. It's just a move, a turning of the table. Let's read a familiar story in John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. I know you know it, but let's go back to the text. Now there was a Pharisee, so this Pharisee, his name we're going to find out is Nicodemus. A Pharisee is basically the theological police. They're the theological FBI, CIA, whatever. And they're checking up all the time to make sure the right things are being taught in the right way. See what I'm saying? There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, interesting, not accusatory, almost curious, He recognized that something was happening with Jesus that needed to be listened to. And so he came to inquire. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Nicodemus is curious about this. He was not that young anymore. How could someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He's a literalist, theological police. Jesus answered, very very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. 
Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. A double meaning here. If we went outside right now, the chances are we might feel a little breeze on our face. It might feel kind of nice. Some days it's so hot it does not feel nice at all. Today it might feel kind of nice. Also, the wind is a word used in Scripture to describe the Holy Spirit of God. The wind blows wherever it pleases. The wind we feel on our face and the wind of the Holy Spirit of God does whatever the Holy Spirit of God wants to do. You can hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This is going to be tough for a theological literalist and the theological police. Yet, let's give Nicodemus a break because Nick was curious and there very respectfully. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our blown-by-the-Holy-Spirit-of-God-wind testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, namely me. I mean, not me, but... Jesus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. Money verse. You got it memorized? Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Bold, bold, italicized letters. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, not retribution, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now notice, remember last week? Even right in here, go back to that last slide. All those believes, none of them are passive belief. They're all, I believe, and because I believe, I give my whole life to this. It's not a passive belief. Oh yeah, that, that's what I believe to be true. What time is the Dodgers game on today? Big difference. Nothing against the Dodgers. They got some work to do. <laughs> this is the verdict. Big shift here. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. The reading of God's holy word on World Communion Sunday. Big bold statement. 
Every single person in the world, past, present, and future, can and should receive the gift that embraces the whole world by following three simple, I crossed it out because they're not that simple, steps. This morning we're going to turn the table just a little bit. Three steps, three stories, and a call to remember that we all will participate in. Step one. Friends, stay soft. Stay open. Especially in the face of all kinds of exclusive isms. I like Nick because he was there. I like Nick because he was curious. I like Nick, a.k.a. Nicodemus, because he showed up to inquire and ask questions. He was curious. He wanted to know more. He wanted a passive belief to become an active believe. And Jesus uses this amazing metaphor of being born again. It communicates to all of us, even here today, every single one of us. Please stay soft. Please stay open to all forms of our exclusive istic thinking and certainties. Hold loosely everything we think we know regarding the institutionalisms of faith. Of faith. Keep an open posture. He was just, he was soft. He was open. He was flexible. He was permeable. He was ready to listen and ready to learn. Kind of like a broken in baseball glove. One of the things I've always liked about PPC is getting out of my car, and it actually happened again this morning. I got my Rawlings out. Haven't put my hand in this glove for about five years. It's starting to disintegrate because it's been in my 100 degree garage. Remember when you get your first baseball glove? Remember when you got that thing? Remember how stiff that thing was? Couldn't catch a thing with it because it was stiff, it was rigid. Theological police. And you work hard to loosen this baby up, right? Remember that? So you'd be doing things like this. You'd put a ball in there and a rubber band around it, and then you'd sit it that way. My brother, my brother used to dip his glove into the bathtub, pull it out, put a ball in it. He was a catcher. And rubber band it around it, and he would let the glove dry like that. I know other Major League Baseball players that would get their new glove, and they'd throw Rawlings glove oil in there put the ball in there, rubber band around it, put it on their bed, put pillows over the top of their bed, and they just start beating it with their bat to break it in. I mean, the things people do to make the team. Because you've got to break in the stiffness of a glove for the glove to be any good or any worth it, any, anything of worth, right? And sometimes even this glove probably needs a little saddle soap right now. My favorite was saddle soap. I didn't like Rawlings glove oil because it made the glove... Heavier than I wanted it. I wanted to be able to react faster. Because I'm just not that fast. <laughs> Nicodemus is like a soft, permeable, open, worn-in glove. Ready to receive a hot grounder. 
I don't want to go down too far. I'm not sure I have my back these days. You remember the fielder's three-person stance? Make a triangle. Feet, glove, foot. Foot, glove, foot. Try to keep the ball in front of you. Nicodemus was like that. You know, to receive the grace that embraces the whole world, step one, we have to be careful of all of our certainties, all of our institutionalisms, especially regarding faith, so that we can keep an open posture like a well-worn in and broken in baseball glove. Sometimes saliva even helps, but I'll spare you. And this is important because Jesus seeks and saves lost people. Luke 19.10 This gift, this gift of grace, scoops up the whole world despite exclusivisms of any kind. Solomon, I mean Nicodemus, was a man who understood keep his glove open to the possibility of the wind of the Spirit blowing the baseball into new directions and places on the field that they had never encountered before. Well, that's step one. Anybody need a little softening up of your mitt. Step two. This text, John 3.16, I might just keep this on. It feels kind of good. It's been a long time. Step two is this invitation to return home. For God so loved the world, gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We learned it probably the moment we could learn words. Step two in this story is that the realm of God breaks open all of our isms. Tears them down, builds a bridge across them, breaks down all of our exclusive isms, institutional isms, Racisms, nationalisms, church schisms. Hey, that's a rap song. Kinda, that's all I got. That's a white guy doing a rap song. The realm of God breaks open in that text. There's nothing that can stand in the way of that. No one is beyond reconciliation. Jesus saves, Jesus restores, Jesus invites us to return home. In the mid-90s, a, a, a great movie came out. I, I thought about showing the clip. I decided not to because it was a little intense. Movie Blood Diamond, anybody see it? Blood Diamond. The movie set in West Africa, Sierra Leone, and an African father named Solomon was searching for his family after... Rebels invaded their village in the middle of the night. His family was scattered. Solomon was able to find all of his family except his youngest son. And Solomon, the father, 
connected with a former mercenary turned diamond smuggler. His name was Danny Archer, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And those two set out to find a rare and very large diamond. And Solomon and Danny are on the verge of finding this large and rare diamond when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Solomon's missing son, Dia, appears on the scene. Dia Vandi. His son was taken by rebel forces as a child soldier and forced to do unspeakable acts. Dia shows up to their site where they've just discovered the diamond and they're searching to retrieve it well, pointing a gun directly at his father's head. The scene was so intense you could feel it. But listen to what his father tells his son, Dia Vandi, as his father walks closer and closer to a gun held directly in front of his face. Dia, what are you doing? Dia, look at me, look at me. What are you doing? You are Dia Vandi of the proud Mende tribe. You are a good boy. You love school and soccer. Your mother loves you very much. She waits by the fire making plantains and red palm oil stew with your sister and new baby. I love this line. The cows wait for you. And Babu, the wild dog who minds and listens to no one but you, Dia. I know they made you do bad things, but Dia, you are not a bad boy. Dia? His face inches away now from the barrel of the loaded gun. I am your father, and I love you. And you will come home with me today and be my son again. And they embrace. Dia turns. And they weep together in the West African heat. For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall never perish, but have eternal life. Friends, when we stay soft and when we stay open, we have the possibility to return home. That's reconciliation, not retribution. That's returning home. God wants us to return home. Well, step three. Step three is a recycling step. Because step three is all about light impacting and changing darkness to light. And the only way to do that is to 
repeat step one and step two. So step three is simple. Light repeats staying open and soft and returning home in unimaginable and new and creative forms and ways that the, only the Spirit of God can blow into our midst if we will be open and ready to hear and receive and live into. Light in Jesus Christ is the beginning of all, the end of all darkness. In 1958, there was an American playwright named Langston Hughes. He published a very short story called Thank You, Ma'am. The story traces the shape of grace, or light overcoming darkness, with astounding clarity and richness. There's only two characters in this story, a boy named Roger and a larger woman with a purse named Luella Bates Washington Jones. I love that name. Luella Bates Washington Jones. A long name for a woman who will change darkness to light. Luella's walking home late at night. Roger runs up behind her, tries to steal her purse. Before he can get away, Luella grabs Roger and, well, won't let him go. <laughs> oh man, he's in for it, we think, as we read the story. Because this woman, you don't mess with Luella. Luella asks Roger, why did you try, why did you try to steal my bag? After a couple of lies, which she busted him in, and she calls him on it, he comes clean. He said, well, I just wanted some money to buy some blue suede shoes. Roger assumes that Luella Bates, Washington Jones, is going to haul him to jail, but instead she brings him home with her. Brings him home with her. Washes his face. Tells him she knows what it's like to want things you can't have. But instead of lecture him, she cooked him a meal. Complete with dessert. Her unexpected behavior had a strange effect on little young Roger. When they walked into the apartment, she laid her purse on a daybed nearby so that he could grab it and run anytime he wanted. But curiously enough, notice the transformation. He no longer wants to do this. His greed is being transformed into something else because light does take over darkness if we're soft and open and we're willing to return home. Instead, he asks Luella, do you need someone to go to the store and get some milk for dinner? She says, no, Roger, I have everything I need and fills his plate with food. She didn't ask anything about his, his life, didn't want to embarrass him in any way, shape, or form. All that she did as they sat at that dinner table eating is tell Roger about her life Her job at a hotel beauty shop that stayed open late. Who the ladies were and what they liked to have done to their hair. What work was like. And then she cut him another large piece of cake and said, Here, son, 
eat some more. When they finished eating, she got up and she said, here's $10 for a new pair of, you guessed it, blue suede shoes. She walked him to the door and said goodnight, watching as he walked down the steps. The boy wanted to turn and say something else other than thank you, ma'am, to Mrs. Luella Bates Washington Jones. But although his lips moved, he couldn't even say thank you, ma'am, as he turned at the foot of the bottom of the very first step and looked at her in the door. And then she closed the door. That's the end of the story. In a few short pages, Hughes paints an indelible picture of something other than retribution. I'm going to tell those people. He captures the only force with the power to inspire the kind of love that succeeds where judgment, certainty fails. The deeper magic, C.S. Lewis, of grace that turns darkness to light because people can return home when we're open and we're soft to hear. I love this glove. Still fits pretty good. Too bad I could not see a ball coming this way <laughs> anymore if I tried. <laughs> and today, today, we're called to remember that. That's what we're called to remember. Staying open, staying soft. Thanks. That was for that was for the for the for the meeting. All right. Um, Returning home and letting light chase darkness. That's this table.